If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man. We will supply for the denazification of the Let me put it to Yes, you if can. you win by one, oh, you've won. The throne went over the side of the first. It's time to enjoy everything. I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast where each week I ask the question What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? At last, the excitement is over. Now we've got a stable government. And you can tell because there's only been one minister to resign in disgrace this week. Soon we might go a whole ten days until Suella Braverman resigns after footage emerges of her organising an illegal dogfighting weekend in a woods in Kent. And she'll issue a statement saying, This took place entirely in my spare time and I have already apologised for breeding a ferocious Rottweiler that mauled 150 people in Maidstone. And then two weeks later, Grant Shapps will come under pressure for running a crystal meth lab in the Department of Energy, and he'll tell us he didn't actually break the rules, as there is no specific mention of crack production in the MP's handbook. But he accepts he may have stretched the spirit of the guidelines, but now we should forget it and move on. And then it'll stay quiet until Christmas, when it will be revealed that James Cleverly has a regular snooker night with Vladimir Putin and Cleverly lost a bet on one match after missing an easy blue into the centre pocket, so he had to give Putin the codes for all the Trident nuclear missiles. And Sunak will say, he has apologised for his error, so let's draw a line under it. This time it was Gavin Williamson who tried to hang on as all he did was tell people he would slit their throats. This is just the rough and tumble of politics, his defenders assured us. And if he'd stayed, we'd have found out he persuaded one MP to back the government by borrowing a helicopter gunship and strafing his arm while she was on the way to home base. This is just part of the robust debate that takes place in politics, he'd have said. And Williamson didn't even have a job. He was there because he was minister without portfolio. Presumably because in any efficient government, you have to have someone to mop up all the awkward little tasks, such as threatening to slit people's throats. And Williamson has now had to resign under three different prime ministers. So he should carry on like this. He can get a job as a train driver and be sacked for making an announcement that goes, uh, we are being held at a red signal. Uh, if anyone complains, I'll shove two snooker balls in a sock and cave your head in with them. So shut it. We can't blame Rishi Sunak for this because he says that when he appointed Gavin Williamson, he had no idea he behaved in this way. How can he have done? 
because the only clue was that Williamson had already had to resign under two previous Prime Ministers, and Sunak couldn't possibly have known that, as he's been Chancellor, so he didn't have time to read the papers. Williamson also complained that MPs who weren't liked by Liz Truss didn't get a ticket to the Queen's funeral. Well, that's touching, isn't it? Because the one principle that we could be certain of with this government was their dedication to Her Majesty. And there's no better symbol of adoring the beloved monarch than scrambling to get to a funeral like it's an Adele concert because it gives you a bit of prestige. I expect some of them boasted, I've got a purple VIP wristband, (laughs) so I'm going to be allowed to touch the coffin and we get drinks brought to our seats during the lone bagpiper. I'm so excited. Williamson proudly as a pet tarantula, which he kept on his desk. And I should think that Sunak's best option now is to make the tarantula the next Home Secretary. This week, Boris Johnson announced as part of the protocol of him being an outgoing Prime Minister his nominations for the House of Lords. And I'm very proud to say that one of them was our very own Nadine Boris. Nadine, can I ask a quick question? That's Dame Nadine to you, you shithouse. Sorry, Dame Nadine. Do you think it's appropriate that you've been nominated for the House of Lords by Boris Johnson? Of course it's appropriate. It's like when I got into that boy's own gig and Janine from the Grapes said I only got in because I was noshing off the security guard. Well, so what? I got in and you didn't, you shithouse. So will you be attending the House of Lords? Too right, I will. I've already got me eye on one of them big red seats. I'm going to have one of them in the backyard next to the barbie. (laughs) You'll be begging for an invite, you will. You can beg all you like. Your arse won't be touching that leather. Is there anything in particular you're hoping to achieve in the Lords? Yeah, I'm after one of those ermine robes. You don't get them down at TK Maxx. All their eyes will be out on stalks when I show up at the ink bar wearing one of them. It's going to be well peng with me top from flannels. So you're not concerned that you've been nominated by a disgraced Prime Minister? Disgraced? You're a fucking disgrace. Look at the state of your suit. It looks like it's come out of a skip in Kirby. You smell like the bins at the back of Iceland, you shit aldy little shithouse. What the fuck is going on? Now, if you've ever even considered working out what the fuck is going on, you know you have to have expert advice. Not only expert advice, but expert statistical advice. And we are blessed to have the world's greatest statistical comedy advisor, <laughs> Mr. Andy Zaltzman. How are you, sir? I'm uh, I'm very well, thanks, Mark. Um, are you talking about yeah, the, sort of the statistics of comedy in terms of you know being able to advise on the optimum percentage of jokes that should work in a gig because you don't you don't want it to be a hundred percent do you because then you know people get a bit suspicious and yeah. you know i mean at times in my career i think i've been guilty of aim you know, of getting my percentage a little too low uh, if anything <laughs> but um i'm sure i'm sure you I, I mean if there's a you know the the optimum percentage of jokes that and obviously each joke works to a certain percentage in itself as well it gets very complicated uh, very, very, well, but how I mean, would I, you measure it? Yeah, how would you measure it? If you measured each individual joke, then you wouldn't get the sense of the overall perspective. 
I should yeah. just say that I'm recording. I'm currently at the South Bank, right outside the Festival Hall. I'm like about five yards from where various Philharmonic orchestras bloody perform bits <laughs> of Stabilius and what have you. And um, and I found this little corner that was absolutely perfect. And about ten minutes before we were starting, a woman came up and went, "Oh, this is a lovely, nice, quiet corner. I'll make my phone call here." <laughs> So I moved to a little desolate little corner, and now I think that I honestly think I just heard the bloke from the fucking timpanis practicing. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess if you're in a, if you're in an orchestra, you've got you want to hit good stats. You want to hit at least seventy <laughs> percent of your notes in any any one gig, don't you? Do you think they have stats? Do you think they have someone going, oh, and of course, dear dear old Ernest Beghini, the Italian timpani player. No one, he'd be like the Don Bradman of the timpanis. Marvellous average of 86.8%. Boom. Straight through the stomach. You felt like your kidneys were coming out more than 75% of the time. Unfortunately, in his very last uh, his very last symphony, he missed the timpani altogether. Otherwise, he'd have got a hundred percent. How niche is that joke? So, <laughs> uh, so hopefully, I mean, I don't know. It's quite possible. This is part of the joys of podcasting. Uh, is that it's quite possible that just as one of us is about to deliver the most searingly important line in the history of British comedy, it's drowned out by a fucking tuba. Well, that would be. I mean, the tuba is an inherently funny instrument, so that might be the. That could be the the ultimate end point of all comedy. If you can do a joke while someone honks a tuba, I think that's. Where do you go from yeah. there, Mark? Yes, it still gets a huge laugh, but more in a little and large way yeah. than than in the sort of erudite John yeah. Stewart way that was intended. So maybe that that's where that's where you know kind of topical satirical comedy's been going wrong. That just a lack of, like. Funny orchestral instruments, where you got a little trumpet. <laughs> but swan- if there were more Swanee, if John Oliver used the Swanee whistle more often on his show in America, I think yeah. it would do a, it'd have yeah. a lot more impact. It would do, yeah. He'd be president by now. You'd, uh, well, yeah, and definitely. Starmer should do that during Prime Minister's questions. If they did something like yeah. that, if he just got up and just went and, and the Sunak was thinking, oh, God, what's he going to come out with today? And he just went, ooh, <laughs> And that was it. Yeah, well, it would make it would make the point, wouldn't it? I mean, that's essentially the subtext of this government over the last few years. So, well, now this is what I want to ask you about because you sort of your podcast, The Bugle, is uh, quite rightly and brilliantly successful, uh, but around the world, which is fascinating. I mean, you get uh, um, American, Australian, and uh, indeed Irish. You were in Dublin the other day. Yes. What do, as far as you can tell from from that? What does abroad think of Britain these days? <laughs> abroad as a collective. That's a... Yeah. Yeah. All um, them foreign places like Zanzibar. <laughs> what do they think of us? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if the feeling in Zanzibar is the same as the feeling in, in Dublin. Um, so uh, in, in Dublin, um, actually, I didn't, I didn't have a, an Irish comedian on, so the... the, the uh, David O'Doherty and Neil Delamo, who do the show, um, were both busy. But the I did ask the audience if, looking at the states of the United Kingdom, if they, as Irish people, had any regrets about our parting <laughs> of the ways. And I don't think I've ever heard a more scornful laugh uh, than that one. Um, 
<laughs> I mean, there is a, I don't know, it's a, it's a kind of slightly morbid fascination at the sort of degradation of our of our politics, particularly, you know, as we've always promoted ourselves as this great kind of bastion of of democracy and the mother of all parliaments, and uh, uh, I think, well, that, that mother has um, gone a bit rogue, uh, to be honest. Um, and yeah. uh, what I've had American guests on the Bugle, I think they've, you know, they've sympathised. You know, they obviously know what's what's abject political chaos is. They've been living through it um, over the last uh, last few years in various forms. So, yeah, it's I, I I think I mean, and it does seem just from what you read around the world and and what you hear politicians saying that I don't think we've reached the stage of pity yet, but there is definitely a a sort of a. A mocking confusion, I think, seems to be the general Oh, that's attitude. sad. It's a bit like when your football rivals go, oh, can you, maybe if I give you a few, Bob, because you, you've actually got so bad, it's not funny. It's terrible, isn't it? That's really yeah. bad. I know that, um, I might mention it on this podcast, but there's a, a woman who I know uh, who is the foreign correspondent uh, for France 24, and she's, um, every now and again, I sort of get a message from her, to, uh, I'll send her a text and she'll say, oh, I'll better reply in a couple of days because I'm in Afghanistan at the moment. And she's, she's been in Ukraine quite a bit, and she said, in all honesty, someone said to her, uh, oh, you're from Britain. Oh, dear, that place is a terrible mess at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> and they were living in a village that has been perpetually shelled by Putin. And they didn't say it as a joke, but then she said, then after she'd said, after this bloke had said it, he did think, ha, 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 this is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, I mean, we're not quite sort of living underground and trying to dodge Putin shells, but on a trajectory, now you're a man of statistics, on a trajectory, if things become continue to become increasingly chaotic as they've done over the last six years at what point do we reach where we're sort of crawling around in swamps looking for bugs right (laughs) well that's a good question mark and if you look at the trajectory this year obviously we've had you know had johnson for three years from 2019 to 2022 and you'd have thought there would be a leveling off of the Chaos acceleration, I believe, is that is that a technical term? Let's call that a technical term. Chaos acceleration, CA, um, in uh, in British politics. Um, but then, obviously, the the trust um, schmozzle uh, managed to somehow pull an even more vomit caked cat out of the bag, and so that th- so then it, that seemed to accelerate even more. So now, what we've got is Sunak has come in and has merely had. You know, just the one resignation of Gavin Williamson and, you know, the chaos around Suella Braverman's reappointment. And yet it seems like things have slowed down, whereas on any objective scale, if this happened at any point in a normal prime ministerial term, you'd think, oh, fucking hell, what the hell's going on? <laughs> but but it seems like, you know, you know that, that that slope, we're, we're re, you know, the slope is, the chaos acceleration has itself decelerated. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what you mean. It sounds, it's a little bit, when you're describing it, it's a little bit like when Brian Cox is talking about some phenomenon in space, isn't it? That light cannot escape and gravity and it causes <laughs> a confusion, which means that suns explode at the rate of nine a second and stars and comets resign 14 in a moment. But then we see a brief period of relaxation. 
where where antimatter appears to have resolved its problems, but this is only a precursor to an even greater entropy. <laughs> well, I think that was the actually the um, BBC political correspondence report on Williamson's uh, resignation, worked pretty much word for word. But um, yeah, so in terms of when we're back, just scrabbling around on the ground, um, eating berries. Uh, so I don't know what what year we stopped doing that when we emerged from that, and I mean, was that pre Stonehenge? I mean, I think Stonehenge was essentially set up as a food store, wasn't it, so that we could have alternatives oh, no, it was to way berries. Stonehenge, because right. your Neolithic revolution was all about you know, human beings being able to to sort of stay in one place and right you know, bring so- agriculture, pots, and all that sort of carry on, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was a very grad. It was a gradual process, wasn't it, over many thousands of years. Yeah, but if that rate of the sort of Johnson to trust to Sunak had continued, I think we could have been back there, possibly by mid February. But <laughs> I think we've slowed down now. So actually, that that curve could now take quite a long time. But had it continued, I think yeah. If I'm just just doing this, it would have been February the seventeenth. 2023, we'd have been back to scrabbling around on the ground eating berries. (laughs) For people who don't know, Andy is, as well as being one of our finest comics stroke satirists, uh, is also the statistician of statisticians on the cricket. So, uh, Sean Kinnear asks, Andy, are you on Mark for that matter, aware of the Yorkshire punk band Jeffrey Oycott? And is there a place for punk alongside the sound of Leather Against Willow? Well, the second part of that question I think is easy to answer, but the are you are you familiar with Jeffrey Oycott? I, I'm not familiar with Jeffrey Oycott's work as a as a band, um, but I think I that mean, most of their just... albums start really really slowly, and yeah. then you get to the end of the first side, and there's only actually been about half a song yeah. and quite a lot of gaps in between. Uh, I mean, but then it, you know it it sort of you you get to to about a hundred beats somewhere before the, just before the end of the second side, right? Yeah, I mean Jeffrey Boycott and Punk don't don't sit easily together, do they? As <laughs> concepts, um, despite being, I mean, you know, I mean, back in the seventies, Mark, as a as a as a as a cricket fan and a and a music fan, yeah. How how did you reconcile the the simultaneous existences of Punk and Jeff Boycott? Yeah, I was a fan of both. Uh, well, I used to wear badges. This is one way. This is one place where they did come together. I used to have this tatty jacket, and I covered it in badges, as you did in them days. Hundreds and hundreds of badges. Some of them for political slogans: "Troops out of Ireland," "Troops out of Burkina Faso," "Troops out of fucking everywhere," uh, "Stop this," "Smash that," "Destroy the police," all that. And then there'd be loads for bands. Obviously, the damned and bands like that, but also really obscure bands like Penetration or something. And then I had a badge in the middle of all that for Kent County Cricket Club. And I used to, <laughs> used to, I used to wonder, I now look, I didn't wonder at the time, I now look back and think, right, it, that's either a sort of band called Kent County Cricket Club that used to sort of do all punk songs. Brian Luckers a fucking better opener than fucking all the other bars, you fucking Alan Nosmith's wicket keeper there ever was. Uh, I don't know. Or, or they think it's like some political demand. That, that they can't quite work out that Kent yeah. County Cricket Club should be boycotted or the Invicta Horse in Kent County Cricket Club should be allowed to run Maidstone. I don't know. But, um, but the, there it was. Penetration, yeah. the, the band Penetration, they, I mean, they were named in tribute to the, uh, 
the nagging seam bowling of Jeff Arnold, I think, wasn't <laughs> they? And the, you know, his frequent strikes with the new ball. Exactly. I think it was. I don't remember penetration. But yeah, it's a marvellous woman singer. Anyway, but uh, other people, but the sort of age of my fans, they would get that, I think. But... <laughs> But yeah, I that you're right. I never occurred to me at the time that it was quite an un, it was quite an unusual mix that I would go to the marquee and see the Rizillos or something, and ju- or the Skids and jump up and down and and gob at everyone and sort of be involved in these ridiculous malaise. And then quite possibly twelve or fourteen hours later, I would be at Canterbury, <laughs> <laughs> having snuck in through the hedge without paying, uh, marvelling at Derek Underwood's left arm quite pacey spin bowling yeah oh, some of that, that just shows the wonderful nature of of, of humanity and the many things that it can find interesting yeah. in answer to the question though uh, there's a uh well half man half biscuit which you wouldn't call punk had a magnificent song uh the title of which was fuck me it's fred titmus yes uh, i was listening to their song uh National Shite Day the other day. Oh, yeah, which yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah, It seems particularly apposite at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's not enough uh, sweary references to 1960s England off-spinners in, uh, in music generally. So, been marvellous to have you, Andy. So where can we – are you are you going off to Pakistan? I am, yeah. I'm going to Pakistan in uh, two and a half weeks. Yeah, first, first test on the 1st of December. I've never been there before, so that's uh, – yeah, very exciting. And um, well, while you're there, maybe yeah, in the evenings, uh, it'd be a good idea to uh, to use your skills to satirise the Pakistani government. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly, um, it's yeah. I've just been uh, having had you know since my last the last cricket work I did was I've not worked on the T Twenty World Cup it was sort of mid September when the Test matches ended, and um, so I need I need cricket to take my mind off reality. And I've had too long. It's been two months now. Without without that, and uh, I think that's about as much as I can take these days. <laughs> yeah, all right, right. Well, let's not uh, let's hope reality doesn't uh, rear its ugly head anymore in this podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for enlightening us <laughs> as to what the fuck is going on in a statistical fashion, Mister Andy Saltzman. Now, as you know, we like to get all sorts of different views on this show. So let's hear once again from the master of gently teasing out opinions, Mike Concrete. Right, with us now is uh, Paul Whipsnade. He works in Hemel Hempstead, but he's raising money for a charity that provides wheelchairs for kids who can't walk. (laughs) Hello, Paul. Hello, Mike. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, good. So what are you doing to raise the money, mate? Well, I'll be starting here in Hertfordshire, heading down to Land's End, then a short step to John O'Groats, and then back home. Blimey, how long's all that going to take? Well, if all goes well, uh, Mike, I reckon it should take six weeks. Six weeks? What sort of car have you got, mate? You need to get that fixed. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, Mike, I'll be, I'll be cycling. Cycling? Well, that's not a very efficient way to raise money. You'd raise it in a tenth of the time if you went by car. Well, I'm not sure who who, who would donate. But yeah, for... how many red lights are you be crossing on this journey, eh? I'm I'm sorry. You heard. How many red lights are you going to ignore, eh? Oh. You're all the same, blocking up the roads and thinking the laws don't apply to you. No one's going to be able to get anywhere in John O'Groats while you're there. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, Mike. I think most people would be pleased to to, to contribute. We've had 
We've had donations. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to make sure I'm not going anywhere near Land's End while you're there hogging the middle of the road in your stupid shorts. It was the same on the A23 this summer. There you all were on your annual London to Brighton bike ride in the way. I drove through the middle of you, knocked a couple off. I'm the one who gets arrested. Well, I mean, you've got a point about the shorts, Mike, but it does sound like you've got some, some issues as well, to be honest. It was the same with the Tour de France. And the British Grand Prix at Brands Hatch. But Grand Prix isn't a cycling race, Mike. And it's not Brands Hatch anymore either. Yes, it is. See ya, Paul. That's enough of that idiot. No wonder the Christmas adverts have started already. Here's Vladimir Putin with this week's cupcake recipe. Thank you so much to all those of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. And it is because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. Other people give their money to useless causes, you know, animals and adopting a goat or something. But you are making a true contribution. And uh, if you would like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Uh, Or if you really want to know what's going on even more, for just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version. Ad-free. I'd pay £4 a month to just have one minute of my life that was ad-free in this ad riddled world an ad free version of the episode with extended interviews and bonus sketches this week for example there's george galloway complaining about politicians going on i'm a celebrity and it's very worthwhile and very very well put case by george and you will get it on friday nights unlike everyone else left to wait until saturday mornings and um you know what a difference that is to your life so go to www.patreon.com and type in what the f is going on uh, and see what comes up. It should be us, and you will be able to join the WTF community. So, podcastees, we have come to the exciting part in everyone's week where I make some announcements. That wonderful, wonderful moment when... Uh, is there anything more dull and frustrating than when someone says, now, there's just going to be a few announcements. I know I've said this before, but it's coming up to a critical time for this now, Christmas. You go and see your kids in the nativity play or whatever, and that's fine, and you put up with it, and let's face it, you know, artistically speaking, it's hardly fucking Ian McKellen in Midsummer Night's Dream, is it? And then you go, that's the end, and then the teacher comes on and goes, now, there's just a few announcements. No, don't make announcements. This isn't about you. We've come here to see our kids be pretend to be a lamb. So... Nonetheless, these announcements are important. Stay and listen to them. Now, well, the main announcements I've had every week for the last eight weeks or so has been to come to see my show in Kettering. There are other ones. I'm doing Blackheath Halls on the 16th of November. There might be a couple of tickets left for that. I don't know. Uh, And oh, somewhere else. Uh, There was one in Abergavenny that's been cancelled five times now for a load of different reasons. COVID, Dead Queen, Waterlogged Theatre. I don't know what the latest one is. It's a bit like the 12 things that happened to the to the pharaoh. Locusts. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think Dead Queen was one of those in the book of Genesis, was it? But, you, you know, same sort of thing. But now last week in frustration, I said, look, you can come to Kettering if you just ring the theatre up and say, 
what the fuck is going on? And they will give you tickets. And I never quite managed to get that message through to the theatre, the lovely lighthouse in Kettering. I never got it through to them in time. So some people I know did ring up the theatre and some poor receptionist answered and they just went, what the fuck is going on? And uh, when they had a spate of this, <laughs> they got in touch. And uh, uh, anyway, they found it. They took it in good spirits, even though a couple of them uh, are now, uh, I've got bullying claims and stuff like that to deal with. But most, you no, know, they took it in good spirits. Now, lots of people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. Richard Vine on Patreon asks, and this is before all the results came in, and I think anyone of a vaguely liberal persuasion was probably quite cheered by the fact that there isn't a resurgence of uh, Trumpiness going on in America, or certainly not to the degree that we feared. Um, but none this this was Richard Vine's sort of fears. What the fuck is going on with American democracy? It looks as if it's self-destructing. Uh, Jay, who's from Denver. So I'm just, see, I'm of an age where anything abroad still seems so amazingly exotic. If someone says to me, I'm going to Dublin tomorrow, I think, are you? Oh, now I know younger people just go, oh, I've got to go for a job interview in bloody Kathmandu, but I should be back by nine. But I'm amazingly impressed that someone called Jay, who's from Denver, has listened to this and got in touch. In my mind, the thing has come that, that they've listened to it on a shortwave radio that's probably illegal and they've probably had to go up to the, I don't know, there's probably some cave in Denver where people sit and listen to podcasts from around the world and then they send back a, a message that goes through various sort of underground railroad people and it's got to us. But Jay from Denver has asked the question, much the same question, what is going on with uh democracy in america and so for example some of the candidates mehmet oz which i'll pronounce wrong pennsylvania says he's tv's dr oz he's a homeopath and a quack who's done 200 syndicated shows a year for the past 15 years on outlandish medical topics in georgia herschel walker uh, is a retired american footballer with a documented history of being violent and menacing this doesn't drive me in america they just sort of every time there's an election on cnn or something you tune it on they'll go now we're going over to indiana which is a particularly a peculiar election because the the candidate there that seems to be on cars to be the new senator for Indiana is Alberto Wozniak, who uh, who has issued a paper saying that the country's energy crisis can be solved if we burn hedgehogs. He says that he's got over 200,000 there in his backyard. And, uh, well, if we just burn the hedgehogs, then the that that pr- provides a certain sort of hedgehog methane, which, which can provide all the energy that the country needs. He's pretty sure about this. He's also got a collection of crossbows, and he fires them randomly every morning and passes by. And uh, uh, Jamie Renton asks, what the fuck is going on with a man who keeps a tarantula on his desk turning out to be a bully and a wrong'un? It's always the ones you least expect, isn't it? Well, it, exactly. I think we have covered that a little bit on this, Jamie. That's exactly the ones you least expect. Rishi Sunak. Who would have thought? Who on earth? 
earth would have thought that the person who has repeatedly had to resign from the government for being a bully might turn out to be a bully? Uh, but luckily, you know, he's and he's the calm and sensible one in charge of the country now. And Scott Napier on Patreon asks, can you come up with definitions for wokerati? It sounds like something on the menu at Wagamama, he says. And you're quite right, wokerati. But there is a wokerati. Uh, Scott, there are people who are just infecting the world with their woke karate, miserable bloody. Do you know who's woke? People who go to the toilet, right? Blokes who go to the toilet and have a piss and then they wash their hands. Ah, oh, what's the matter with you? Bloody woke, being woke, washing your hands. Be like a proper man in the old days. Piss, get dribbles of it on your fingers, go back out into the pub and put your hand in a bowl of peanuts so other men can enjoy your piss. But, oh, no, not now with your fucking woke people who stop when they run over a dog. Fucking, what are you, all vegans? If you run over a dog, fucking leave it. People, I'll tell you who's woke, people who refuse to drink and drive. What's the matter with them? If you're a proper man, like in the olden days, like, how would we, uh, what would have happened in fucking D-Day, 1944? They all got, a, they had a good fucking gallon of cheap, hard whiskey, and then they went out and took all them landing craft over to fucking beaches of Normandy. Eh? I suppose these days, oh no, you can't take the landing craft because you're over the limit. People who can't play the national anthem on their armpits, them sort of people. That's the woke karate, Scott. That's the woke art, Ian. I'm like you, mate. I'm sick of them. Oh, what the, fuck is going on? the World Cup starts in Qatar next week, and FIFA has claimed it will be the first ever carbon neutral World Cup. But many people have pointed out that these claims rely on what's known as carbon offsetting, which isn't the same as not polluting the planet. It means that they are going to have a carbon imprint, but They'll calculate what it is and then offset it by doing something environmental somewhere else in the world. Now, though, the Qatar government has launched another campaign. Here in Qatar, we're proud to host the first ever homophobia neutral World Cup. Campaigners have criticised our homophobic laws, but now we've launched an exciting new homophobia offsetting scheme. Yes, for every gay couple that we jail for same-sex relationships, we'll plant a rainbow flag in a forest in California. For every transsexual we arrest and torture, we'll send a donation to Stonewall. And to make up for the fact that we still haven't abolished the death penalty for homosexuality, we'll sponsor not one, but two Come to Qatar floats at the next Gay Pride March in Brighton. The Qatar World Cup. Homophobia neutral, corruption neutral, truth neutral. Now, as anybody knows, if you're trying, seriously, seriously trying, not just joking, but seriously trying to find out what the fuck is going on, you need the opinions, you need the input of the younger generation. And that's why I bred someone some years ago who not only would be able to furnish me with such knowledge and wisdom, but would also uh, be a mate of someone who's in I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. It was all part of the plan. Elliot well, two, Steele. Two, two people. I'm pro- I know Babatunde as well. Oh, you know Babatunde? Yeah, yeah I know. Okay. I've met him a few times. 
Okay. Now, I, I say this probably isn't the main issue we're going to talk about, but yeah. I saw him climbing up that big contraption, getting them stars, and I yeah. found that really brilliant television. <laughs> yeah. He's a funny lad. He's really And he came funny. over really well. He's a really and, good comic uh, as well. Like, he's a right. really good comic. I mean, because the, 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 I mean, this is the genius of that program is they create a narrative, don't they? So people, I think, go in there and they think people will see my, right, regardless of, you know, obviously we're going to talk about specific people, but people go in there and they go, oh, once people see this side of me or they'll, they'll under, someone will go, oh, what people will sort of start to understand that, that even though I've got a series of convictions for arson, they'll, they'll start to understand that I'm also really keen on basket weaving or something. And no, because you, you're, the narrative is set by the people who make the program, but they're also mm. quite adept at sort of suddenly reacting to a, a narrative, if you like. Yeah. This is probably sounding very pompous. But Babatundi, the narrative was, he's a, a terrified of heights. So then immediately they create a game where Oof. you've got to climb up a 100-foot piece of bloody metal uh, over a huge tree in the Queensland jungle and collect all these stars. And, of course, people vote for him to do it because people are bastards. And yeah. he did it. And yeah. I watched it, and I lo- I don't really know him, but I loved him by the end of it. Yeah, no, good. It, was, it was good. But on the other hand, whether the same will work for an ex-Minister of Health who, during the most serious health crisis in Britain since the Second World War, parceled off fucking billions of pounds of shitty contracts to his mates, including a bloke who ran a pub and stood there like a big fucking gormless clown, blaming nurses for there not being enough protective equipment, saying that they've been changing too often. I don't know. What do you reckon? I I mean, I, I like the the reality of the situation is he's going to come across well and be fine. That's the reality of the situation. I think like he's going to come across well and be all right. It's not going to like everyone who's like, yeah, he's going to come across like a th-. he's not. He's not going to come across no, no, badly. No. He's going to be fine, and then he's going to be excused for what he's done. Well, by some people, yeah. I mean, I thought I thought the reactions from other people in there. I did watch it, obviously, because uh, yeah, I watched it um, largely because we're both very good mates with Sean, and uh, so. But I thought the reaction of everybody else uh, in there was really interesting. Like Boy George, I thought it was very moving that he was talking about his mum who was in intensive care and so on with COVID. I think. Well, he, said, he trained a man to a radiator so he can pipe <laughs> fucking down. <laughs> Yes, he I can shut you, the he I, can shut the fuck up. I grant I grant you that that at least his mum was there wearing an oxygen mask. Yeah, yeah, she wasn't because she had an to, illness. Yeah, she wasn't chained to a ra- radiator. <laughs> maybe that was his com- sex offender. <laughs> maybe, I, that, maybe that was his complaint. My yeah. mum, the NHS is so strapped of resources that when my mum was in intensive care, they didn't chain her to a radio, <laughs> which yeah. is what my family tends he to can, prefer. He can, he can he, he, you know, eat without sin. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, uh, no, you make a good case. 
But no, nonetheless, you know, if we if we can sort of make these two separate issues, uh, then uh, all right. But the reaction of other people, because there are other people in the in the, the mm. program who've never chained anyone to a radiator, as far that as we fair. know, that is fair. And <laughs> they might have done to sort of, you know, to lesser, more pliable mm. objects. But, maybe the fridge. But yeah, they, but yeah, they weren't. They weren't too happy. They weren't very. They weren't very happy about it. And I think that the. Um, I think the reaction of them because they were really disgusted and they were saying, you know, for, uh, even Chris Moyles shouldn't he be at home working as an MP and hasn't he got constituents and stuff? Now, when you are falling below the bar of morality set by Chris Moyles, I don't think you're winning in life. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. It, it's an odd situation, isn't it? Because I think he's on a PR thing. What, oh, yeah. You know, and, and Matt Hancock, like, he was just a person in the party who was meant to take the fall for everything. That was his job. That was his role. So always in his ways, when he'd go out and do stuff, almost felt quite sorry for him. But I don't, I don't know why he's on. I'm a celebrity. Well, because because you because what happens then? Everything in the past on mm. those programs, everything in the past is forgotten, mm. and you start on a level playing field. And you shouldn't start on a level playing field because the things you've done up until then that made you a celebrity matter. But once you're in there, and of course people are going, well, mm. I, I expect in here he'll be all right. If you're if you're sort of jolly and you get to take your turn to take the dunny out and you collect yeah. logs and you sort of win the stars by, you know, eating a fucking iguana spunk or whatever you have to do, then yeah. you, and then you're sort of, you're just judged on that. And that's why, I mean, you know, if, the, if it had been around in 1948, instead of bloody, instead of getting hung in, after the Nuremberg trials, Eichmann would have just ended up on there. And some people would be going, well, uh, we've just got to put what he did in the past, yeah. and you know, I mean, I, I certainly didn't agree with the with the with German domestic policy between 1933 and 1945. But now we just have to accept that here he is, and he'd be sat there on a log. And that, and going, and what music uh, do you like to, um, you know, to I, I don't know whoever he was to whoever he was on there with, to uh, to someone who'd been on Love Island, and they'd they'd be going, oh right, you know, once you get to meet him, I never thought that, you know, he'd be a fan of Kanye West, and um, and it'd come out, and people go, oh, you know, I think he'd come over all right on that, really. That's very good. Did you mean that the Kanye West line? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, but did you? Did, that's a very good joke. Yeah. Like, were you just saying Kanye West because you're old and that's the only rapper you know, or because you off. know? I've he, been to see Kendrick Lamar this week. All right, you know two l- rappers both begin with a K. I know hundreds of rappers, you cheeky bastard. You know I do. I I, I think you're right. I think <laughs> I, don't, I, I think that Matt Hancock will come across really well. He seemed to come across well when I was watching it last night. I thought he came across well. I thought Sean came across well. All right then, who's the who's the uh, Somalian rapper who who uh, did the album called the, the Dusty the Foot Philosopher? Is, what the fuck I'm is just this? I don't give a fuck about I'm a celebrity now. I'm not having this. Like, I'm some it's, old man. It's, 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 it's K Kanon. It's K Kanon. Kanon. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. And uh, are you still stuck on this? 
Yes, I am stuck on this. I'm not having that. The, the agreed topic we have. I don't care about the agreed topic. The bloody. All right, all right, all right. Who's the rapper who got shot? Who's, who's the rapper the famous, well, in one of the most famous rap groups of all time who got shot and killed last week in Texas? In Austin. I don't know. Oh, take off. Oh, you don't know Migos. Migos. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there we go. Well, hang on a bit. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a gap here between. There is a gap. Oh, they're, one of the, they're one of the most famous rap groups of all time. Well. All right, so I didn't know them. That doesn't mean I don't know. Did you, any you know Travis Scott? From Do you know Travis Kenya, Scott? Kenya West. Oh, don't start fucking coming over all Tim Westwood on me. I, you can't just pick like, oh, I know Kendrick Lamar and Kanye West, and then be like, I don't know rap music. Like that's not. I'm not sitting there claiming I know it either. But no, I'm not saying I'm an expert. I never said I'm an expert on hip hop, but I would say that I've listened to hip hop consistently for the last thirty years or so. Okay, or more than that, from the sort of you know, from Grandmaster Flash through to all the rest of it, Beastie Boys, Public Enemy, NWA, and so on, up until Kendrick Lamar and J Cole and the current people, as you fucking know, because we've been in the car but together I, when I'm doing it, and now okay, for okay, bloody but I, effect, I still you're like going, oh, you, oh anyone, yeah, you know Kanye West, you've heard of him, like Grandma. Oh, I don't like that Kenya West. Yeah, but she, yeah, but the, the, she probably would at least understand. She would, it's somewhere in her mind, have like an understanding of what Kanye West is. She wouldn't know him for whatever it was, but like he's he's not even a list. He's like super. He's like he's above a list. He's like Tom Cruise. Like it's like Manchester United. Like everyone knows it. I did a program on foreign hip hop. Was on the BBC. I interviewed well, the people, uh, 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 people from the, the daughters of Reykjavik, the feminist I, yeah, no, Icelandic. Oh, they sound Yeah, you shit. might know your no, bloody but Travis, whatnot. But you don't, what do you know about feminist Icelandic hip-hop? That would be well, my specialist I, subject uh, on yeah. Mastermind. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's fair enough. Well, um, it, yeah, but on Radio 4, do you know what I mean? You were doing it on Radio 4 to other old people who don't really know what rap music is, but think they do because they, because they have a Black Eyed Peas album. Like they, Radio 4 is just, it's just 50 year olds who are like, oh, all right, we'll see oh, if I think wish. they're still current. I wish uh, it was 50 year olds. That's they, the youth policy. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. I mean, 50 year olds. <laughs> when I went to the, the last cricket game of the season at Canterbury, and I was looking around and I thought, God, everyone's so old here. And then I saw one bloke at a table and I thought, oh, no, he's much younger. So that's, yeah, yeah, there's him, him younger. And then I heard him say to this other bloke, so, yeah, uh, I've been retired a year this week. <laughs> <laughs> it's Radio 4's like that. No, we must cater to some of the younger people who've only just retired. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's enough of that. I'm going I'm, uh, off to play some Drake. <laughs> well, wow, another, another the most famous rapper who's ever lived. <laughs> name three Drake songs. Oh, I thought all the other ones were the most famous rappers who ever on, fucking on, lived. Name, name, name three Drake songs. Oh, I fuck off. That's enough. Of that. <laughs> uh, I've also I've got a show at Angel Comedy on the 22nd of December in London at the Bill Murray. Uh, where Sean recorded his specials and stuff. I'm doing a work in progress there. And I've also got a podcast, B-Tech Philosophers. Yes, excellent. Listen to all of those for all the latest news on all the most obscure hip-hop you can imagine from bloody Eminem here. Another famous rapper. <laughs> 
thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, then it's actually the law now that you have to write a review if you can't be bothered. If there is anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTFIsGoingOnPod and we will look at every single message that you send, I promise. If you'd like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? Was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Andy Zaltzman and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander, Pete Sinclair and Andy Zaltzman. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Downing. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? Was brought to you by WTF Productions. <laughs>